0: Oil prices rose again overnight to their highest levels since January on supply worries. Rice prices also surged to 15-year highs. The return of food price inflation could be a headache for central banks.
1: If that backdrop of falling goods inflation were to turn around into a more inflationary picture again, then that would make central banks' lives a lot more difficult because you would start to see headline inflation move up.
0: It's coming up in our five things in less than five minutes. And then in our deep dive in less than five minutes, we find out from ANZ's Sanjay Mathur exactly why tomato prices are up 800% in parts of India. But first, in Five and Five with ANZ, number one, oil and rice prices rose sharply overnight on concerns about supply. Russia and Saudi Arabia are cutting their oil output to squeeze prices up, and U.S. demand is strong, with news overnight of a big drawdown in stocks. Price of Brent oil rose 44 cents a barrel to nearly 87 U.S. dollars a barrel, Rain prices are also rising because of the Ukraine war spreading into the shipping lanes of the Black Sea. But wait, there's more. Rice prices rose overnight to a fifteen year high because of a ban on exports from India, which has some drought, and bad weather in Thailand, which is another big exporter. The price of Thai white rice, which is the benchmark, rose five percent to six hundred and forty eight US dollars a ton overnight. That's up. 50% in the last year. Until now, falling food and energy prices have really helped central banks with headline inflation. But as ANZ Chief Economist in New Zealand, Sharon Zoldner, says, it's worth watching those inflationary implications of the conflict spreading in the Black Sea.
1: This does represent some upside risk to global food prices and indeed energy prices. And central banks have been enjoying a tailwind Uh, for downward pressure on goods prices as a result of lower energy prices, lower food prices, lower shipping costs. But if that backdrop of falling goods inflation were to turn around uh, into a more inflationary picture again then that would make central banks' lives a lot more difficult because you would start to see headline inflation move up. You could start to see the people on the street doubting whether central banks have indeed got this. You could see inflation expectations and wage demands uh, start moving up again rather than down. It's a tail risk. It's not our forecast, but it certainly does play into our sense that markets at least are being a little optimistic.
0: Number two, but inflation is not a concern in China, where we found out there was 0.3% deflation in July, the first since February 2021, and producer price deflation was worse than expected at 4.4%. ANZ senior China strategist Zhao pangxing sees inflation coming back within a few months as the combined effects of past stimulus works its way through the economy. He says the authorities, though, can't do too much more with either fiscal or monetary policy. Fiscal, because there's so much local government debt around, and monetary, because China wants to keep a floor under its
2: currency. For monetary policy, I think uh, uh, the PBOC is currently facing with the the impossible uh, trinity because, you know, the Politburo meeting just mentioned the stable uh, RMB exchange rate uh, if this is the case, I guess the PBOC will lose some flexibility in uh, domestic monetary policy.
0: Yao Peng Jing there, and he sees another cut in the reserve ratio requirement for banks coming, but not a full policy rate cut by the People's Bank of China. Number three, the global financial markets focus will now switch to US CPI inflation figures for July due later tonight. ANZ senior international economist Tom Kinney is looking for monthly inflation to be low and unchanged at 0.2%. We're looking at goods being in a sort of a deflationary funk at the moment, led by falling used car prices. Also expecting to see uh, rents continuing to come down, although they're still pretty elevated and thirdly, I think we're looking for a bit of softness in the core services ex-rent, which is a key component that the Fed is is watching at the moment and largely driven by developments in the labour market there. Number four, we'll get another Reserve Bank decision later today, this time from India, where Ainsed's Chief Economist for Southeast Asia and India, Sanjay Mathur, is looking for the RBI to be a bit worried about that food price inflation we talked about earlier.
2: We think that they'll keep the policy rate on hold at 6.5. At the same time, we think that their tone will get a little more hawkish given the recent rise in inflation in food prices in particular.
0: Number five. And finally, news overnight of a backtrack from Italy's politicians on a surprise windfall tax on bank profits. It was such a shock on Tuesday night that bank stocks in Italy sold off as much as 10%, a 10 billion euro drop in market valuations. So, Italy's government moved last night to cap the windfall tax at 0.1% of total assets, which prompted a rebound overnight in Italian bank stocks of around 3 to 4%. <music> Now it's time for our deep dive in less than five minutes. Today, we dig down into tomato prices in India, which is a worry for the Reserve Bank there and plenty of cooks. Here's Sanjay Matur, ANZ's chief economist for Southeast Asia and India.
2: Tomatoes account for just about 0.6% of the inflation basket. But what you've seen across the 106 cities in India where you actually survey tomato prices, they've surged by anywhere between 100 to 800%. And that means that the contribution of tomato prices has been close to 1% to headline inflation. So it has had a significant impact.
0: 800%. That's certainly an attention grabber. For an international audience, though, Sanjay, could you explain
2: how that happened and why it's important? The first point to sort of note is that in India, we have a phenomenon called the top inflation, T-O-P, tomatoes, onions, and potatoes. And even though these commodities or these food items account for a small share of the basket, they suffer from huge volatility. That volatility could come about due to disruptions in logistics, uh, in terms of rainfall patterns. It could be excess. It could be shortfall. It depends on the spatial distribution of rainfall, i.e., given that India is a big country, some regions receive Decent rainfall, some don't. So all these factors can sort of accumulate to give an immense amount of volatility in food prices. This is somewhat different from food grain, where the government is able to maintain a large stock, particularly that for wheat and rice, and release it as and when the situation demands. It's harder to do that with perishables.
0: And so what's happened to cause um, the tomato costs to rise
2: so spectacularly? So we had two things. One, we had unseasonal rains, which sort of destroyed the tomato crop. And the second was that the distribution of rainfall, typically the monsoon season in India starts from the 1st of July. Some regions received very heavy rainfall, and some were very short on it, or they were in deficit rain. And together, if you add it up, and also the fact that the rainfall disrupted, truck movements, et cetera, across the country, all these sort of led to a massive surge in tomato prices.
0: And how much of a role is climate change playing in this sort of volatility in food prices?
2: Well, I would say that Indian weather conditions have become more volatile, but to explain the sort of climate change, you know, uh, on the current episode of food prices, I think that would be a bit premature. I think longer term, yes, this is something that India needs to monitor and work towards to enhance its food security. India is a large country and cannot really buy huge amounts of food globally without having an impact on global food prices. But at the current juncture, I would not attribute this to a structural change in weather patterns, etc., but more due to unseasonal cyclical developments.
0: And for tomatoes, onions, and potatoes, how important is it in the, the national diet, if you like? I'm curious what, what you can eat with tomatoes, onions, and potatoes.
2: Well, every part of Indian cooking, and if you've had a curry, that's got all three of them.
0: Sanjay Marto, there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Thursday, August the 10th. Catch you tomorrow, we'll have the latest on the key US CPI inflation figures and how that might affect next month's decision from the Fed. This podcast was recorded for publication on behalf of ANZ. All associated disclosures and disclaimers can be viewed using the link in your media player or the ANZ website through which you access this podcast. All care has been taken to report the views of ANZ research in the creation of this podcast, but as an independent host, any differing interpretations are strictly mine and not ANZs. Feel free to contact your ANZ point of contact with any questions.